But you have to have stars. You have to. It's not an option because that's the only way you win. Okay, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Broadway and Clark, coming at you on a Monday night. I guess we're about 10 days out from the end of the World Series. Uh, We've already got a fair amount of activity going on around the major leagues. This week is awards week. So we had the two Rookie of the Year winners today. Nothing, no surprises. Henderson and our buddy from Arizona, Corbin Carroll. Uh, But tonight is, uh, this episode is about the Cardinals, uh, which is going to be the focus of quite a bit of our episodes from now until spring training. And then, of course, uh, as we get into the season, but the the task at hand for John Mozalek and the rest of the Cardinals front office is to begin to fill the roster for the 2024 version, uh, which everyone listening, certainly Duncan and I hope, will be uh, a much better version of a baseball team than we saw in 2023. So... Duncan, how are you tonight? Doing well, doing well. Uh, we were uh, hoping to meet up uh, a couple different times over the last few days, and just things kept popping up. Um, some illnesses, uh, a family dog uh, passing away, just a just you know odds and ends things here and there. Life gets in the way sometimes of uh, of things, or, or life happens, and and you gotta of course tend to those things first. They're more important than baseball, um, but we're back. We're ready to roll, and uh, a lot of stuff has been happening. I'm doing great over here. Uh, really excited to, like you said, have uh, you know all of our episodes here uh, in the off season. Really being Cardinals focused and uh, gearing up for next year. I'm already getting excited for the for the year next year and having a season that's not like last year. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, just. Really looking forward to, to diving into it and getting just feeling excited for Cardinals baseball again. It's been too long that we've had a feeling of just, um, you know, not being able to get excited about that. And it was a nice palate cleanser, I guess, for a year, I guess you could say. Uh, but I'm ready to hop back into it. Yeah, we want that. We want that stress, that nervousness that comes with. It's what you live you for. Know, can, yeah, consistently battling for, you know, a better position, uh, thinking about, you know, what a playoff matchup might look like. I mean, we watched, I guess, what, 11 teams have their playoff hopes dashed uh, in a variety of fashions. I mean, I guess four or five of them just, you know, swept out of the playoffs no real, you know, with a, with a bit of a whimper. And then we saw a couple teams really battle 
Uh, I thought we had a Final Four that was very exciting and fun to watch. The both championship series, you know, both going to Game Sevens and so on. Very exciting. But uh, and then you know, as soon as it ends, for the other you know twenty six teams and for really even the four teams that were involved in the championship series, I mean. There's no rest for the weary. It's time to get busy, and you know, it, no more, no more so than in St. Louis, where, as you mentioned, you know, we had a very disappointing, historically poor season for our squad, and uh, we're a bunch of fans that aren't used to that. So, um, first order of business. Uh, unless there's something else you want to say about that generally, but first order of business is we need pitching. Nothing's changed. Uh, it's been true probably for the better part of a decade, but uh, it's critical now. It's uh, it's not even. There's no question. There's no, you know. There's no wondering what the top priorities are. Uh, we. You know, I, I think about it this way. If uh, Juan Soto, for example, you know, there were, we heard he was available and that we were in on him. Uh, both things which are very possible could happen this offseason. Um, he could be a free agent, I believe, as soon as the end of next year. So, you know, uh, it's very possible that we will, in fact, be involved in talking to either the Padres or uh, Juan's representation about, you know, him possibly coming to St. Louis for an extended run. And that would be exciting. And that would be something I would very much be in favor of. Um, But that still would be second place to finding out who the new pitchers are we're getting. Uh, I mean, from a from a spot starter to an ace, from a you know a, a setup, a long man to a closer. I mean, it feels to me like every position on the staff needs filling. I mean, obviously, yeah. obviously, Miklas, you know, he's he's nailed on. Probably Mats as well, assuming health and. You know he can he can have a representative uh, performance, but you know, and then of course there's three or four bullpen arms that you know have proven themselves are pretty solid. Uh, you know exactly what their role is going to be. I guess is is up to uh, what's our pitching coach's name? Baker is that his last name? Dusty Blake. Yeah, um, we. Uh, you know, and and it's notable that I don't know that much about the guy. I think he's been pretty nondescript and unimpressive so far. But part of that could have been the talent he was working with. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the buzz around the league is, you know, all the manager changes. We don't have to talk a long time about the fact that we are not making a manager's change, at least not between now and I don't know, the end of April. I mean, if we start the year out, you know, 10 and 20, does Ollie still have a job? I don't know. That's one uh, thing, actually, that I was thinking about was, you know, there was all the talk about, 
Yachty having a role in some kind of coaching capacity with the Cardinals. And you would have to think that if they're going to bring him back in some kind of coaching capacity, and I think he inevitably does want to manage in the big leagues at some point, if you're going to bring him back in some kind of capacity in that way, there's going to be some kind of clamoring for him to be the manager of the team at some point, whether it's, you know, he's manager and waiting, uh, you know, if, you know, Ollie plays out the rest of his contract and then it's, then it's Yachty and Yachty's just kind of a bench coach seeing things from a manager side or what, what the case is. But if, like you said, maybe we start out with a bad April, what's the, the PR going to be? Um, and the the news media going to be around the team. Um, if we start off really poorly, there's, people are going to be asking for Ali's head and asking for Yachty to be in place and be the manager. So I, I'm sure Mo and Gersh and, and Bill DeWitt are all thinking about that. Um, you got to kind of play through every scenario with those kind of big decisions and stuff like that. So I'm sure they're not unaware of that at all. Um, so you got to think if they bring him in, he's going to be the manager at some point or another. And maybe that buys them a little bit of um, a get-out-of-jail-free card from the front office standpoint, too, of like, well, maybe we want to keep Ollie, and if he does well, great. But we have a get-out-of-jail-free card. If he doesn't do well, then we'll just promote Yachty into being the manager because everyone wants him there. Yeah, and there's risk. I mean, there's there's a significant risk around, you know, a, a relatively inexperienced clubhouse leader. Now, as a as a leader, Yachty's not inexperienced. I mean, you know, you could argue really from 2011 till his retirement, or 2012, I guess, uh, after Larusa and. Uh, Albert and everybody left. Uh, you could argue that Yachty has been the de facto leader of the team. You know, mm-hmm. with with a Wayno, maybe a Holiday to a lesser extent. You know, when you got guys like Beltran on the team, you know, veterans. Um, you know, maybe a little, little. You know, plenty of input from those kinds of guys, but. There was no doubt about it. It was Yachty's team for at least the last five or so years of his career. Um, And I would argue longer than that. I mean, Stephen Vogt just got the job. Um, You know, it's, it's certainly not unprecedented. Kapler, there's been a number of managers in the last decade that were not out of the bigs that long themselves before yeah, getting Vote. their first managerial job. Yeah, Vote was out of the league for one year. His last season was 2022. Yeah, same as Yadi. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and there'll be more of those guys. Um, you know, and so, and there's guys that have now been around for a while. Council wasn't retired that long before he got his first gig. Yeah. Um, and that's... You know, so that that precedent is, or I, I would even say not even so much precedent, that practice uh, is relatively normalized now. But I think there's still risk. Um, Certainly, yeah. 
you know, obviously like the Astros when they when they had to try to repair their reputation, uh, you know, after the after the the stealing, you know, the sign stealing uh, controversy and all that. They uh, they look to a, a long term vet in in Dusty when the Rangers were like, we feel like we got the talent, but we don't have the right leadership. They went and got Bochy. I mean, you know, I've, uh, uh, the Angels, you know, after having I don't know, I, I, I would imagine they feel like they've done everything with no success. Um they, you know, they hire Ron Washington, 71 years old, going to be the oldest manager in baseball next season. So, um, you know, it's that's that's one approach. But the young former player is uh, becoming more and more prevalent. And you're right. I mean, the the first of all, before Gotti, before the season starts, it'll be, you know, Ollie's first boneheaded decision in spring yeah. training there's going to be plenty of people i mean there's people call have been calling for his head oh yeah uh, you know me included so i uh, not necessarily with just the idea of bringing yadi in i'm not opposed to it at all uh if if he wants to do it then i'm i'm confident he could i mean you know really wants to do it i mean it's one thing to you know, like to manage Puerto Rico and the WBC or something like that. It's a whole nother thing to, you know, to sign on for a 162 plus, you know, to, to really begin a career in the dugout. I mean, that's, it's just a, it's a lifestyle, right? And I mean, probably not quite as crazy as an NFL head coach or top assistant, but it's still crazy. So, yeah, that'll that. But as it stands right now, it's it's a bit of a moot point, right? It is right now. It is right now for sure. And that, I think, is in a way it's still important, of course, but less and less important than filling the the pitching roles like you were talking about uh, on the squad. Because at that point, doesn't matter who your manager is, if you have. Uh, you know Dakota Hudson and uh, Matthew Libertor as your you know four and five, or Drew yeah. Rom in your team uh, to be right. your starters. So we got to figure that out first for sure. Amen. So so remind us, remind the listeners and me. You you I mean we both have wish lists, right? We both have guys we want. Um, but I know so so I'll just. Uh, remind everybody for me I think the first guy you go get immediately is Blake Snell and I know you're not quite as high on him as I am Uh, the you know the press which knows nothing I mean baseball media you know I'm not that's (laughs) not fair They, they all know quite a bit but nobody knows for certain that Blake Snell's coming to the Cardinals or Shohei's going to the Dodgers or anything like that. Nobody knows, you know, until a deal's done. I mean, sometimes when it's getting closer, you know, there'll be plenty of smoke and then the fire will appear and, you know, and 
and you know certain insiders may know more about the progress of you know of a potential marriage than you know than the average fan of course i get that but i don't think anybody knows yet that the cardinals are getting snell for sure i think is you know there somebody on on snell's team or somehow some media member must have gotten enough you know, nobody said to anybody, that's not happening. You know, Blake has no desire to play in the Midwest, for example. There are, there's a, there's a fair number of players in the MLB that, that probably wouldn't ever choose to play in a city like St. Louis. You know, they're just, it's, it's, you know, it's not for everybody. Um, but so that's, so Snell would be my number one. What, but remind everybody what what you've been kind of thinking about and, you know, like I said, kind of your wish list. Yeah, yeah. So um, first you mentioned Blake Snell there. And you're right. In our episode before, I definitely was not as high on him as you are. Still probably am not as high as you are on him. But I feel like I my feelings about Blake Snell actually have changed a little bit. Um, <clears throat> the more we've watched the postseason and things like that, because uh, my my biggest knock on him was durability and being able to eat innings, particularly during the regular season. And right. you know, as we've talked about in the during the postseason episodes about like the importance of being able to show up and be a gamer and um, win in those big games during the postseason um, is sometimes more important. Um, than just being able to eat innings and stuff. And so the more I thought about it, I was like, well, you know what? I mean, if he's going to be healthy, he showed up and was absolutely nasty for the Rays. And I believe that was 2020 in the COVID season um, during those postseasons um, and had, I want to say it was like either no earned or one earned through five or something like that. And they took him out early before getting through the third time through the lineup. Um, so I was like, well, maybe you know, maybe he would be a good option as far as picking up a pitcher that's going to be there to win you the the postseason, win the World Series versus just win you 100 games versus 92, you know, for example. Um, so I've softened a little bit on that. Uh, but some other guys that, I've, uh, that I have on kind of my wish list um, would love for the Cardinals to really open up the checkbook a little bit. Uh, for at least one guy, and I feel like they kind of are going to have to. Mose talked a little bit about uh, in, in interviews about making uncomfortable decisions. Um, of course, that's about as vague as you possibly can be uh, with it, so don't know if that's referring to trades and letting prospects go or guys go on your team that maybe you'd rather not because uh, the Cardinals are always kind of Known for not prospect hoarding, but they love their guys. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so I don't know if he's referring to that or if it's referring to being a little bit more aggressive in the free agent market um, and opening up the checkbook a little bit there. But I'd love for them to do that on a couple guys, whether that's Yoshinobu Yamamoto uh, from Japan, 25 years old. Um, personally, for me, for a 25-year-old in a free agency type of situation. I know it's a little bit different coming from Japan. There's the posting fee 
and that being added onto the contract. But honestly, in my mind, that's like a one-time tax, I guess you would almost say. Um, and sure, you do have to factor that in. But if you're going to be paying him for, what, a seven, eight-year contract, whatever the case is, are you, in year seven or eight, are you going to be like, oh, man, I really wish we didn't do this and we didn't spend that extra whatever it ends up being $20 million in 2023. It really screwed us now. It's like you're you're not going to care at that point. I think it's worthwhile doing that because of the kind of player that he can be. He could be an absolute ace, an absolute star. And particularly, like I mentioned, he is 25 years old. Most of your guys that are hitting free agency, I would say on average probably 29, 30 once they get through yeah. all their pre-arb and arb years. So to have a 25-year-old who the majority of his contract is going to be during his peak of his career seasons, he's going to be hitting the heights of his abilities, um, I think that's absolutely worthwhile spending whatever you need to to get that versus a guy who's going to be turning 30 or 31 and maybe the second half of his contract is going to be in the latter stages of his career as he's kind of winding down. That's not really going to be the case with this guy. So worthwhile doing for me. Um, there's been also some reports of um, Lars Nupar, of course, played for Japan in the WBC. Um, he has said that um, his mom and Yamamoto's mom talk on the phone every single day. And Lars was over there for the playoffs in Japan for the NPB playoff games that Yamamoto was playing in with the Oryx Buffaloes. Um, so we've got some connections there. Um, I did want to make a couple points about um, the Cardinals and their kind of connections with Japan too um, and how that's kind of developed over the years. So um, we have a couple guys, and uh, we've kind of increased our footprint in the Asian market as far as baseball goes. Um, there's a guy that works with the team uh, as a special assistant to the GM. His name's Matt Slater. Uh, previously worked for 17 years with the Oryx Buffaloes, which is who Yamamoto has been playing with over in Japan. So we definitely have that connection there, um, a good understanding long, of the how MPB. How we him, Dunk? Just recently? or <sighs> I don't have... I don't have how long he's been with us. However, I do know that he was helpful um, in us signing both Michaelis and uh, Sung Hwang Oh from Asia. Uh, both of those, if you remember back. Oh, and I okay. believe okay. Sung Hwang Oh was like 2015, 16, somewhere in there. Um, so he's been with us for yeah, a decent amount a of time. It wasn't like his last yeah. year. Yeah, he's so, had some relationship with us for a while, even if exactly. he was a direct employee. Yeah, so um, having that and having some kind of familiarity, even just, you know, if you put yourself in Yamamoto's shoes and you're asking questions and trying to figure out what's what and just to have someone there that you can go to and ask questions, I'm sure he's doing that with Lars also. But um, yeah. but with, with the team in particular, that's not just a player that's going to advocate for the player himself, but as someone who's also going to advocate for the team um, as well. Um, I think that's really important and could be a difference maker for us. Um, secondly, Yamamoto also has the same agent as Nolan Arenado uh, as well. Oh, so wow. um, some connections there. I, I, 
I'm trying to like temper my excitement with it at the same time because you don't want to like connect the dots to things that aren't there. But those are the stepping stones to, you know, begin that kind of relationship that could end up in a contract. So I think they're only good signs. I don't think that in and of itself is a reason to be like, oh, we're getting him for sure. But definitely good signs uh, there. So, well, and one one thing we need to say is we're aware. You know, if if because we need top of the rotation help, mm-hmm. everybody that we're talking to is attractive. You know, we're not we're not going to talk to the girl standing in the corner at the dance. We're going to talk to the one of the cheerleaders, right? And so, you know that that's understood. I think there's like twelve, you know, eight to twelve teams that are in on Yamamoto. At least, you know, some some fans like us in Toronto or Seattle or whatever city could be having a similar conversation and looking for those, you know, connections, nebulous though they may be. I mean, in our case, those are real connections. I mean, the Lars one, you cannot discount the Lars one. No. They just won a championship together. Right. So that's going to be true of him. That's going to be true of Snell. That's going to be true of anybody else. But – uh, so Yamamoto, yeah, because I think he slots in immediately as a high three, low two at the worst. Oh, at the absolute worst. I mean, people are talking about him being a, a bona fide ace for any team that he steps onto. And I don't disagree with that. Only the only my only caveat is you haven't done it yet. Exactly. You know, didn't he have like 155 strikeouts and 156 innings, something crazy like that? The yeah, guy's trying to pull up his deal. numbers and everything now. He's the real deal, and he's been doing it. I mean, he's 25, but he's been doing it for four or five years, I think, in Japan. So, yeah, I want to say he's won like the three straight. Um, I think it's called the Sawamura Award, which is like their Cy Young in the MPB. So he's won that three three straight, which nobody else has ever done before. Yeah, so, so he's I mean, so he's, the guy's clearly he, got he it. He could easily come over and be to pitching what Otani is to kind of just you know all around ball player. So that's that's mm-hmm. pretty that's that's exciting. Who else? Who else are you uh, are you targeting? Yeah, so as far as like top of the rotation stuff, um, the other two guys that I'd be considering for the absolute top spots would be Aaron Nola. Strong links with us with him. Um, I know it was reported that both us and one other team, other than the Phillies, of course, I want to say it was the Braves, who are also strongly linked as like the most aggressive teams uh, in on NOLA. So um, we definitely have the, um, as far as the reporting that's out there right now, we have that on our side as well that, you know, we're strongly in on them. Um, I think NOLA would be a perfect uh top of the rotation guy for us, uh, a guy that's extremely durable um, and would, you know, show up every fifth day and he's going to be consistently making, um, you know, 30 starts every single season. I mean, for the last, what, one, two, out of the, except for the COVID year, he's had one, two, three, four, five. So since 2018, 
every year he's had at least 30 starts. The least least amount of starts he's had was 32. So uh, that's that's definitely, massive in the regular season. You have to exactly. have you have to have really. I mean, in a perfect world, you'd have four guys minimum that would give you at least there because that's. You know, four guys, 30 starts, that's only 120. you got to fill 162 games. Right. Um, but, I mean, you know, there's always things that happen. Yeah. Uh, which is and it's not just durability. Trade deadlines become so massively important, especially for pitching. Right. But, yeah, that's where I think you know, durability is huge. But it's not just that. It's it's quality durability. Um, you know, he's got a career 3.72 ERA. Um He's a high strikeout pitcher as well. He's averaged over 200 strikeouts for the past six years outside of the COVID season. So, uh, I mean, the guy can strike him out with the best of them, which is we know now that the Cardinals have been switching their pitching philosophy and approach to more of the swing and miss stuff. So I think he'd be a perfect fit as far as that goes. And, you know, there's talk about approach when you're building a staff to have a guy is like a number one that's like a stopper. So if you're on a three-game losing streak, you know, you get to a new city, you got your ace going to the mound, it's a guy that you can count on that can stop that that skid, get you back on in winning ways, um, and kind of give everybody a breather, give the, the bullpen a breather, but not just give you innings. But he's a guy that can go out there and just win you a game for a day, let everybody breathe. And then you get back to to the your winning ways, like I said, or the other end of the coin. You're on a five game winning streak. He's going to extend that for you another day. So is he 31? Is that what we know he, about? He yeah. So last year, this past year, was his age 30 season. So yeah, he'll be uh, 31. So you're so you, you would have no problem giving a guy like that what a six year deal, five year deal. I yeah I wouldn't I mean they're projecting him to be six years one fifty one hundred fifty million, you know which oh, comes out even, to I wouldn't even blink at that that's twenty five million a year I'd do that in seven. yeah yeah exactly so I would I would absolutely do that I do anticipate it probably maybe will inch a little bit above that but even so I'd still do it I mean that that kind of a pitcher if you're gonna draw up a pitcher for your team what what else are you wanting him to be for you that's making that number not worth it for you or or if that number is not worth it for you why and are you just doing it because of the number and then later on you're going to go with a lesser picture because oh maybe it's more it it's more value for that money but at the end of the day, like we said, it's about winning championships. And I think this is the guy. It's like it's your best bet of giving you durability, quality, and then top end stuff. Swing and miss. He showed up in the playoffs. It's like, I don't know what else you want out of the guy kind of a thing. Right. No, I agree. Uh, the only question is, like always with pitching, is durability. Um, if you're looking at six years, you know, you're looking at, 31 through 36 seasons, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, any pitcher over 35, and again, it's so hard to know who's going to be the next Justin Verlander, you know, who's going to be the guy, 
Yeah, that can pitch effectively. You know, I mean, there's if we think back to the beginning of the careers of Scherzer or Verlander, you know, the guys that last forever. Think of the hundreds, literally hundreds of starters that have come and gone. And the question is, you know, how do you, but, but if, if we were able to get him at 25, even 30 a year, I mean, I'd pay 180 for six years in a second. Now, Mm -hmm. the other thing, the other caveat we have to say, because we're going to be having a lot more of these conversations, I have no problem spending the DeWitt's money, right? But I also believe that they're intelligent people. They've got a proven track record of being able to assemble a winner. Uh, That includes Mosellock. Now, you know, just like ballplayers, I guess executives can, you know, lose a little on the fastball over time too. And maybe they're not, you know, and, you know, I don't know if Mosellac's at the end of his run. Uh, his record has been, you know, I mean, I would give the guy a solid B plus, A minus for his career as a baseball executive. But you could argue the last five years are probably closer to a C, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, but, but having said all that, you have to, you know, your your payroll has to be close to two hundred million to compete. You know, one hundred and eighty million or so is probably kind of the kind of the baseline for the teams that are really making a run, right? And if you look at the teams that, like, just this year or just over the last, you know, decade of uh, success, you know, the teams that spend money win. I mean, there's a correlation. Now, it's not perfect. It's not the team that spends the most money wins the World Series every year, not even close. But it's unusual, if not pretty much unprecedented, for the teams that spend the least amount of money to to even really ever have a chance. I mean, it's just not, you know, it's, it's it, the disparity is so great that those teams, while they might talk a good game, at, on opening day, they know they're not playing to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like, like you think about the World Series this year. You had the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'd have to pull up their payroll, which I'll actually do here while I'm doing it, but... Um, I don't think there would be anybody who would, you know, say the way that they are, that the way they put together their team with their payroll, I think that's the way that you need to go about it. Like, say they won the World Series. Obviously, they didn't win. They were the runners-up. But if they won the World Series, nobody would say that's the blueprint of creating a team with payroll and everything. And there's a reason for that. Like you said, that's not your best chance of winning. Like their total projected payroll between like 73 and 98 million. That's not going to get it done. Like you said, for any any major contender, no one's going to say spending that amount of money is 
the approach that any team should have in order to give themselves the best chance of winning the World Series. But also, like you said, I don't think that spending $260 million either is the way is the best way to give yourself a chance to win consistently either. So well, it's striking the Mets, a balance. Look at the Padres, well. look at the teams that, you know, the angels don't have a small the angels. Yeah. Um, you know, I was listening to a thing today. There was, you know, a fair amount of talk about Anthony Rendon and can he be, can anything be salvaged essentially out of his deal? And, you know, I mean, he was a world series hero. Uh, he hit free agency at the right time and he got paid and was he overpaid? Probably. Uh, there were probably a couple other teams that might've got close, but I think the angels, you know, the last leg of that deal, uh, they were probably bidding against themselves a little bit, which is a hard thing to avoid when you don't, when the, when the, the alternative is unacceptable. Uh, so that's, that's understandable. That's why in my mind, you need to be in on, you know, four or five of the top guys. Uh, if like, say for example, you know, we take a pretty hard run at Yamamoto and, uh, and we get them. Well, then as soon as that happens, you can talk to, you know, who's, who's ever, you know, Sonny Gray, for example. You could talk to their representation and say, listen, we're still in the market. But, you know, yeah. just, we just took care of one of the pieces. And, you know, so, so you know, we're, and we'd love to hear, you know, what Sonny's thinking, blah, blah, blah. And, however, you know, you're, the urgency gets dialed back just a little bit. And that's why I'm saying if you got three or four of those guys that you're talking to, you know, you're just honest with the with their reps and you say, listen, we we want your guy. But we have to get guys, at least two, right. you know, at least a couple. And we're committed to bringing in the types of pitching, the types of pitchers, starting pitchers that we think represent you know, some of the best in the game and certainly the best that are available this year. And so that's why we're talking to you. And that's why we're talking to these other guys, because it's not acceptable for us to get only one guy, for example, this year. You know, we're not a team that stocks talent. We can't afford to be. We'd leave that to the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Cubs and the teams that can afford it. And But we can win and we can spend enough money. I, I, I want to say this year we were in the 130 range, our payroll. That, that could be off by 10000 or $10 million either way. Well, our payroll went down because we got rid of some contracts too, so... I know there were some co- comments from Mo too at the the GM meetings that just happened last week. I want to say uh, it was that uh, he was saying that for next year, and there was some controversy about how he said it, what he meant, all of this. But basically, for next year, we're expected to be on the same path that we were expecting to be on next year. So we didn't end where we expected to because we sold off contracts at the trade deadline and everything. 
but we are expecting to get over $200 million. So that's where they're expecting to be again for next year. So it doesn't mean that we're going to end up, you know, being at whatever we ended at this past year. We're going to expect to be higher than that, where we were planning on going next year. If you look at the top clubs in the league, you're going to see anywhere from usually four is about the sweet spot. It can go as high, you know, the, the richest clubs are going to be, you know, north of six and the bottom dwellers are going to only have one or in some cases none, but you can expect to have, you know, now I guess the, the threshold would be maybe 20 a year, uh, inching closer and closer to 25. You can expect to have three or four of those guys on a team unless you have young, budding superstars. Like how long has Ronald Acuna been in the, in the league? Four years, five years, something like that. So he's still, yeah, not very long. Yeah, he's still under control. I think they actually signed him after his second year or something like that. Mm -hmm. They bought out his RBRs, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what his contract is, and I'm not trying to act like I do. And I really don't care that much because he's not, you know, we're not in trade talks with the Braves for him. And, but, but my point is, is that there are plenty of really good players that aren't making what their objective value is because it's a pay-for-pass performance league. Right. And so you do pay more for free agents because for somebody to be thought of as near the top of the available players, especially if there's you know a decent selection in any one season, they're going to demand, you know, a de- I mean, it's usually going to be a contract that pays them for some of their past performance. So I get it. But you're going to need at least four or so of those guys. But I, but I'm getting a little I'm getting a little far afield here. I want to stick with the pitching. <laughs> We've got Yamamoto coming. We've got Snell potentially coming. Who else is in that class of guys? Obviously, Aaron Nola. Uh, yep, which, we touched on him. Which might be the number one really for both of us. I mean, I like Snell a lot. And, and, but I also like Nola a lot too. I mean, I, you know, I'd be more than happy with either one of them and I'd be giddy if we got them both. If we got both of them, plus we got, yeah. plus we got Yamamoto, then we're, then, I mean, that, now we're cooking. That'd be gas. a lot. <laughs> now, yeah, but if you think about it, what are we looking at? You know, you're looking at adding roughly 75 million to, 85 million in payroll, maybe a little bit more, but you're losing Wayno's, you know, 18 or whatever, wherever he ended up at, um, you know, whatever you were going to have to pay Monty anyway, uh, you're not, you know, you don't have that on the books anymore. We don't have a lot of dead money on the team, uh, which we don't, which is good. Yeah. That's a, that's a positive. Um, the thing, the thing is like right now we're sitting at 126, but that is before any arbitration, which we have a lot of guys 
in arbitration right now that we're going to have to pay. Um, so I think they were projecting us being, oh gosh, I'm trying to do all the math in my head right now, but basically from what I had heard was to get to 200 million, just using the round number there as your ending point, I think we're going to have around like 57 ish, let's say 60, uh, million dollars to play with to get to that 200 million after you add all the arbitration numbers in there too. Um, so I don't think, I don't, I don't see Mo doing that or DeWitt giving the thumbs up to add three guys through free agency. Plus that'd be your whole budget and you wouldn't do anything with the bullpen unless you're going to do something with trades or, or something like that, for example. But I think they could do two. Um, which one of the guys who I think is probably the most likely guy and likely to be one of, if not the cheapest guy that you could get as in the top, more top tier, would be Sonny Gray, um, who you mentioned just briefly there. He's projected, he's a little bit older. I want to say he's 34 uh, right now, 33, 34. Um, he's projected to get a, a three or a four year deal. I've, seen reports of basically both one thing I saw that he was actually preferring a three year the other saying you know he's probably gonna want to get that fourth year on there just to you know have more guaranteed money uh but on here with the projection it's four years 90 million averages out to 22 and a half million a year um he's a guy he's from uh Tennessee around the Nashville area he said he wants to be close to home um so I think the Braves are looking for pitching as well. They're definitely a candidate there. They're close to Tennessee as well. Um, us, and then Cincinnati is the other closest place, but I can't imagine him going back to Cincinnati. Um, I've heard, seen some things about Philadelphia with him. I would think that would be less likely if he wants to be somewhat close to home too. Um, I think that's probably only more likely if they don't get Aaron Nola. But... I've seen a lot of strong connections and a lot of reports from people in the know that are like, yeah, I feel like St. Louis just makes sense that I could see that happening. So I could see that being, you know, I for our, like, let's play GM kind of mode here, I'd say let's slot him in there, and you're looking at $22 million. We'll just round it that way. Uh, $22 million to add on there. You take that off of your 60, you're looking at, um, or 57, whatever the case is, around like $38 million left. So you've got some space. You could definitely add either Yamamoto or Aaron Nola, who are averaging out, you know, your AAV. You're averaging out about $25 million for either of those contracts. You absolutely could do that. And then Blake Snell, he is projected, let's find him here, seven years, $200 million which averages out to about 28. So he's going to be a little bit higher AAV. He's also a Scott Boris client. I think out of all those guys, just in terms of what I think is going to happen, I see him as one of the lesser likely guys uh, just because of Scott Boris being his agent because usually Boris clients are like some of the last people to sign because Boris wants to see the market develop and he's trying to get every last penny for his guys, which is why people sign him for his a to be his agent. I get that. But if you're building a team, it makes it hard 
to, especially in our position, where it's not like we need one guy and we can let the market develop and then just kind of strike when uh, when the time's right. We have to go out and make early moves and quick moves because we are running on fumes on our staff. So I could see us getting Sonny Gray in there early. I think Blake Snell, Snell might be less likely unless they go like Sonny Gray, trade for a guy like Tyler Glass now, and then sign Aaron Nola or Blake Snell to kind of top it off. I could see something like that potentially. Oh, he's um, still my heart. Yeah, I would, I, I would love any of those scenarios. My only point was we have to get two. Yeah. There would be nothing at all wrong with getting a third arm. And you're right. I mean, as it stands today with the current, you know, I'd have, it, it sounds like somebody's being pretty uh, conservative on the uh, arbitration numbers because who do we have that's that good that's going into arbitration? Well, that's you know, what I was thinking about looking at it. Yeah, that's uh, done anything that really is significant, you know? I mean, like uh, Ryan Helsley has maybe been your biggest guy, but he's, a you know, your closer. He's not going to make a ton, a ton of money. Tommy Edmond, Tyler O'Neill, both of them have won gold gloves, so they'll get paid a little bit more. Um, otherwise, it's like yeah, but Tyler, Dakota Hudson, Tyler Jake Woodford. Tyler's trying to come back from two years of injury and lack of production. Yep. Tommy, while being a very nice player, you know, there's – I'm not saying, that, you know, Tommy Edmonds are a dime a dozen, but he's just I, – I can't see, you know, because what's his option? We could, we could non-tender him for that matter. Um, I'm not saying the guy's not going to get a job, and I'm not saying the guy doesn't deserve to get paid something. But is he more than a $6 million a year guy, $8 million a year guy? I mean, if you look at it that way, you know, once you take out the guys that are still basically on rookie deals, like Gorman and Walker, they're not getting any money. Uh, Brendan Donovan, even, he's not getting any money. You know, Lars, all, I mean, you're talking about, I just named four guys that are, that are, you know, integral parts of your, mm-hmm. of your roster, you know, yeah, guys that are, are. going to play every day or they're going to be, you know, first, second guys off the bench to pinch hit or to play a defensive position. So, you know, right now we've got three big salaries and that's it. Nobody else. Yeah. So as I'm saying, the best teams, you know, minimum four, and most of them, you know, the big spenders are all north, are six and north of six, right? Uh, for us to be at five or six, um, I don't think is unreasonable in any way, shape, or form. And it also, I think, allows you to build a roster that, you know, two hundred million is is a lot of money, and if you start adding guys at, you know, two million or less, you know, you put ten of those guys on the roster, which we're not far from. Uh, when I start thinking about a couple of the bullpen arms that are still relatively young, uh, you know, I mean, I don't care what you do with your backup catcher. You know, I mean, if it's going to be kids, I guess, or whatever, 
you know, you, you give him whatever you give him. Or if he, if you can't, if, if Andrew Kisner becomes too expensive, you give you me anybody. Pereira. Give me anybody. Yeah. I don't care. I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll figure it out. And, uh, you know, uh, as the season goes along, maybe things change a little bit. Somebody's going to get hurt. Bunch of people are going to get hurt. That happens every year. So that's part of your budget, and that's part of your thinking. What's our plan? See, that's that's one of the things we didn't have. Now, did we have unprecedented pitching injuries this year? I don't think so. We had plenty no. of injuries, but they weren't on. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Look at the World Series winners. Now, again. I don't know Texas. I don't have Texas's payroll, their spending, their whole financial approach to baseball. I don't have that memorized. And it's not like they've won 10 World Series in the last 30 years, right? They win, they've won one now. <laughs> uh, and the last time they were in it was 12 years ago. So that's not good enough for me. I want more than that for my team. And yeah. I, think, oh, yeah. I, think, I think my team has proven over 120 years-ish that they uh, can adjust to whatever the current environment is, right? And so I – but I have to have – if you don't have enough star power, we just learned this. We learned – it's a lesson that, that is taught to baseball fans every year. Uh, sometimes I think fans forget this. But you have to have stars. You have to. It's not an option because that's the only way you win. You know, the difference between the guy that hits 240 with, you know, 18 homers and 55 RBIs and plays, you know, a serviceable left field, the difference between that guy and a superstar is night and day. It doesn't. It's it's a lot greater than the difference between you know the superstars, twenty five to thirty million dollar a year salary and the the you know replacement players, a million dollars. What you have to avoid is paying replacement players big money, and that's where you got to be a little cutthroat in the game of baseball. But right now we're in a position where we don't have that problem. We don't have long tenured players on our team. And I don't have any problem with anybody. You know, we've talked about it. Walker, you know, in my mind, Gorman, not in everybody's. Uh, they're probably untouchable. Anybody else you call me up about, I'm willing to talk. You know, obviously not Owen Goldie. I prefer not to move either one of them. I don't think anybody's coming knocking about Goldie. I mean, unless we really... You know, we really hung out to shingle and said, come and get them. Uh, and it would be easy for Mo to say, we're not in the Goldie market. You know, don't don't even bother. Um, unless somebody wants to come blow me away. And then I'll put whoever at first base and I'll be fine. Um, so that's, that's, you know, I... I, I I know it's been a little rant for the last couple of minutes, but that's kind of how I feel generally. 
and especially when it comes to pitching. You have, I mean, the 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 Dodgers they could have had a pretty poor season if you just look at what happened with their starting rotation. But they still won a hundred plus games or whatever, right at a hundred, and you know they had a poor playoff uh, or non-existent playoff, but. It wasn't because they didn't have talent. It was because their talent didn't perform when it was time to perform. We didn't right. even give ourselves a chance. And that's what's unacceptable. It's unacceptable to the fans. It should be unacceptable to the front office. Uh, it's probably very unacceptable to the players in the clubhouse, even though, you know, I'm sure often they feel like they really have no, you know, very little say in the matter. And what do you think of the overall philosophy that you just, you know, you, the money has to be spent. That's obvious, but you have to have a plan. You have to plan for a certain amount of injury. Uh, and again, I'm not an idiot. I don't think that, you know, Mo and the rest of them didn't think they had something planned at the beginning of the year, but you could argue that, there's a couple of schools of thought on this. One, once they kind of realized how bad it was, they just decided to punt completely. That's a much more common tactic in like uh, the NBA than it is in the MLB. Uh, but the, you know, there did, is that what happened with Mo or, you know, did the markets just not exist? I don't know. Somehow a team found a way to get, you know, Justin Verlander, another team found a way to get Max Scherzer, another team found, you know, so don't get me started on that. Um, but anyway, you know, so you have to have a plan and you have to, you know, it's time to, to get there with the money and the players that don't make any money, theoretically, unless they're young budding stars which is a piece of luck or development that every team needs any of those players are expendable on the regular as far as i'm concerned you're getting cutthroat now after seeing this last year i like it i mean Uh, i think it's necessary what do you think yeah i think uh honestly with this past year in particular i think honestly i think mo kind of entered the year the year prior we had the same issue of we didn't have enough pitching when it came down to it, and we had to get um, Wade LeBlanc, John Lester, um, and Jay Happ. And we ended up making it work uh, through the rest of that season. But then this past season, we got into the exact same situation. We put ourselves in the exact same situation. I think the way that Mo has approached it He's been so patient trying to find the perfect deal or the perfect situation, and it never materialized for him. And an expression that I've heard used is, you know, he played musical chairs and was trying to be patient with it, and at the end of the day, he was left without a seat. And it's happened multiple times. And then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, well, crap, well, what do we do? But I think particularly this season... That happened, and he kind of entered the season with the idea of, well, we have some guys, and if they show up and pitch like they can, 
will be okay at least. We may not be fantastic in like one of the best pitching teams in the year, but it'll be serviceable and we'll, we have a good enough offense that we can still you know win this division and get to the playoffs. I think that was their approach from there. It all, all hit the fan and nothing worked. And then he kind of, you know, was playing the PR game of, you know, let's, you know, give it some time. It'll turn around all of this. Cause really when you look at this team, the strength is, is the, the lineup. And so I think he was kind of even just hoping for a little bit above average starting pitching. I mean, you didn't expect Wayno to be as bad as he was. Michaelis, uh, Steven Matz to be not very good. You know, any of the younger guys never really showed up either. I mean, there was there was not a lot of bright spots uh, in that pitching staff. And so I think it was just kind of a a perfect storm of a lot of different things that he was kind of betting on something being a safety net for him and nothing was. Um, but I also, I also don't like that approach. I get that. I really do understand that over the last, what, 20 years or so, we've had the approach of being very conservative and get in the dance and see what happens. And I, I like that approach generally, except for the fact of when you have a team like this that was as offensively potent as ours, and you're, you're basically wasting it at this point. Versus like, you know, those teams that we had in the late teens um, and would get in the playoffs, you know, the the year that we got swept by the Nats in the CS, 2019. That kind of a season. Our offense was all right. Our pitching was all right. I mean, we were like a little bit above average, but nothing's going to blow you away either way. This year we have, this past year and then upcoming with what we have right now before any moves are made, we have an elite lineup. Like, one of, if not the best lineup in the league. Probably not the best. Braves are incredible. It's ridiculous. Phillies have a very good lineup, too. But we have one of the best lineups in the league. If you have any kind of good pitching, you're going to be a very strong contender for the World Series. But with it, I think they took the exact same approach as before and just said, well, we'll just kind of get something to get along but in in doing so, you're completely wasting that talent that you have. And now all of a sudden we look up and we have one year of Goldie's contract left and we're like, oh, well, crap, what do we do? And now we've got to make something happen with it. And I think you're just, you're just wasting money at that point. And for someone who's as financially conscious as the DeWitts, I think that's in some ways a poor approach to it. And obviously I'm not a millionaire and, and don't own a team and I don't have that kind of experience. But if you're if you're looking to win a championship, you're not going to do it with mediocre staffs and mediocre lineups and trying to piece together little so-so groups here and there. You got to go out there and, and really spend it sometimes and pick your spots and be smart about it so you don't have to rebuild like the Rangers did, like the the Astros did, like multiple teams have had to. Don't go all out and then have to tear it down, but you got to pick your spots, and I think this is a perfect chance just to pick your spot and say, all right, we have an incredible lineup right now. Let's go get some guys. Maybe we can stretch ourselves just a little bit more than we normally would for the next year, maybe two, 
and then we can back it down a little bit if we need to because we have Jordan Walker, who's going to have six years of club control. We have Mason Wynn, six years of club control. We have Lars Newbar, who's got, what, four more years of club control. Uh, we have a bunch of core guys. Brendan Donovan. Uh, Brendan, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm sure they're going to be trading some guys. There's been some uh, rumors of Brendan Donovan, Alec Burleson, Dylan Carlson, uh, a bunch of these guys that are trade pieces, and I'm sure some of them are going to move potentially. But, like, you know, in two, three years, you're going to have, like, no money on the books, basically, for your really key players. So let's go for it, and then you can kind of recover some of that in the next couple years. The same way that you would look at a contract by front-loading it and having the back end of the contract be a little bit lighter. So, or the opposite with Nolan Arenado, we back-loaded it a little bit, slash had the Rockies pay for some of it. So it was less less of a burden on our payroll the first year and a half or two years. Yeah, we got we got um, really lucky on that deal. And and those kinds of wins that Moe's gotten his on his ledger are massive. Massive wins. Yeah. And and he deserves all the credit for them. But you know, it's always a, it's a what have you done for me lately league. It's it's just the nature of professional sports. There's not a perfect formula, and the everybody starts from a different starting place. We are not a ninety loss team. Our, our no, talent, way better than our that. talent, and our roster does not. Uh, indicate a 90 loss team. It was like you said, kind of a perfect storm. But there's there are a lot of cliches. Sports is full of cliches, and you know uh, the famous one about you are what your record says you are. That's true. But guess what? Our record is the same as 29 other teams. O and O. So it's it's all in front of us, and we can do whatever we want. So we. Just to summarize, because I want to spend a few minutes talking about potential bullpen help, which is a much trickier thing, I think. But we've got uh, we 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 identified four top of the rotation starters, and there's a couple others that are available, or a couple other guys we've discussed. Maybe we'll talk about them more as secondary guys next episode or, you know, if anything happens anywhere, we'll know more. But um, we've got Sonny Gray, Aaron Nola. Is it Yoshida Yamamoto? Yoshi, like Yoshi. Yep. Nobu. Oh, Yoshi Nobu. Okay, Yoshi Nobu. Yep, there you go. Uh, Yamamoto. Okay, And, and Blake Snell. And you kind of, you know, laid out a couple of pretty solid reasons, not the least of which is being a Boros client, that Snell may be a little bit less likely, even though, you know, the media's got him linked with us to some extent. Uh, I I just saw a Twitter thing that said if a 106 win team outbids us for Aaron Nola, you know, that person's going to lose their mind, uh, which <laughs> I would I I wholeheartedly agree with that. However, 
you know, the Braves didn't win 106 games by sitting on their hands. Uh, and so, which I still can't believe the Olsen for, uh, for Freddie. I mean, I know it wasn't a direct deal, but that switch right. is just, it's amazing to me. Uh, I, I'm still, um, I mean, there's a reason they're one of the best teams in the league consistently year after year. And, you know, it's been a minute. I mean, they won it a couple of years ago, but before that was quite a while and they haven't won a ton of world series. But if I'm a Braves fan, which I'm not, but if I was, I would feel every year like my team on, you know, March 31st, April 1st, whatever it is, has a chance to win it all. And I, I almost, I've, for most of my Cardinal fandom, I believe the same about the Cardinals. And I don't want to be in the position of, you know, a Pirates fan or, a, you know, even a Marlins fan who, you know, they, they get teased because somehow they get this amazing talent and they, but they're never, never able to keep it and never able to put it all together. Although they've won two in the last 30 years. So good for them. Uh, but anyway, the so we those were the four starters. Was there any that we didn't mention that you felt like it was really important? Like a Monty, people like that. To me, that's more the secondary market. Um, although, yeah, nobody, nobody else in that top top tier. Right. Um, yeah, I think Monty's in that little second market, which I think he's also a Boris client. As much as I would love. To have him back, and I, I, I think he would be open to that. I think it's not super likely, also because he's going to get paid, paid after this postseason that he had. Yeah, in on his amazing postseason. Yeah, 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 and I could totally see Mo not, not wanting to stretch, um, the the pocketbook for that. Um, but I would kind of put him in that category. I'd put, um. Oh gosh, and I'm gonna maybe get some get some heat for this, but in a trade scenario, I maybe put Glass now in that category. He's more of a bounce back guy, but he's kind of that super high upside guy. That when he's right, oh my gosh, he is so good. Yeah, I mean the biggest thing with him is durability. But if you get like say we talked about Nola and his durability, say you sign Aaron Nola. Makes me feel a little bit better about Tyler Glass now. If he has an injury or something like that, it's not like you're gonna have, you know, forty percent of your staff down for a, a huge chunk of the year, and you're gonna have to rely on a bunch of AAA guys to get you through it. Yep. Um, With, but I mean, like, he's had, he is more so averaged around like fifteen, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen starts a year recently. So definitely not the durability there. Um, but, you know, if you can get him healthy and keep him healthy, um, you know, get him to the playoffs, he's nasty, especially with his strikeout numbers. So um, I would I would love that, you know, a Nola glass now and then fill it out with, like, someone a little bit lower on on the tier, like a even like a Giolito um Shota Imanaga, who's going to come over from Japan, somebody who's who's maybe a little bit more under the radar, but it's just going to be solid. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Any too. interest in Strowman? 
<sighs> yes and no. I think I don't think it's super likely because the Cardinals have openly talked about their shift in their philosophy in pitching, moving from contact pitching to strikeout pitching yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and he's more definitely a sinker baller, pitch to contact guy. Right. But man, when I watch him pitch, I mean, he pitched for the U.S. and the World Baseball Classic. What was that back in 2018? Uh, I think it was somewhere in there. Um, he was incredible yeah, he was, and then pitched for Puerto Rico yeah, was, this most recent he was one lights out he's lights out and they he he is a guy that we when we talked about in our previous episode he just has that competitiveness that he's that that give me the ball kind of guy and I want that on my team yeah. so for that reason I would love it but I could see it being not super likely and kind of Less so of what we're looking to move towards. One of the, uh, I I could see him as a finishing piece, though. Sure. No, I understand. One of the things that this conversation has given me uh, a lot of real positive hope is there's enough out there that we can win a couple of these. And which, thank goodness, because the position player market is thin, thin, thin. So. We, uh, in a way, lucked out that the pitching market is as deep as it is this year because that's exactly what we need a lot of. Yeah, and and I and I'll give I'll give a little love to uh, to Mo, and you know I'm sure there was some understanding that that was more likely to happen. Sure, I'm yeah. sure if we went through it, there were a number of guys that you know the way things shook out, whether decline in performance or. You know the the guys that really stepped up or younger or whatever the issues were that just resulted in not as many guys being available. Um, and then, okay, so if we could spend the next ten minutes or so talking about the bullpen, and then and then we'll you know probably wrap this episode up and and we'll get back at it uh, you know later or toward maybe this weekend or whatever. It depends on what timing looks like. Uh, somebody's got an anniversary, if I'm not mistaken, coming up this weekend. So we'll see. Uh, okay, so uh, here's here's the current roster, the current um, uh, depth chart uh, per MLB, per the St. Louis Cardinals website uh, for our bullpen. Hel- Helsley, Gallegos, Palante. Steven Matz is on here, even though we know he's really a starter. Packy Naughton, John King, Jojo Romero, uh, Matthew Libator, and James Nail. So that's what? Three, six, nine guys. Uh, we need at least that many. Well, we need, what is it, at least eight on the major league roster, typically five starters, eight relievers, 13 pitchers. Uh, I think occasionally teams will go with uh, only 12 pitchers, but uh, that typically means you've got, you know, some like your your three at the end of the game pitchers are kind of nailed on. You know, you got a, you got a seventh, eighth, and ninth inning guy, Although the modern game has, you know, potentially shifted 
when those guys pitch, it's a little more about high leverage, low leverage kind of situations. Uh, this is the part of the team where you find sometimes your lowest salaries, you'll find some rookies. So there's fluidity. And throughout the year, uh, when guys get hurt, you know, sometimes you'll have a bullpen arm that can, that can move into the rotation. And this list uh, with Libertor and Mats. And then sometimes, did John King spot start for us? No, maybe. No. No, I don't believe no, so. No, not him. Uh, I'm thinking of like a Woodford or somebody like that, uh, which is not on the roster at all. I guess he's just not on the 40, man. The, the four starters that they have listed are, are Miklas, Rom, Thompson, and Hudson. So I don't know why Steven Matz is not listed with the starters. Who knows? I mean, he did pitch out of the bullpen a little bit, both after injury and uh, maybe in the playoffs the year before when he was coming back from injury as well. Uh, but anyway, of those guys, well, let me ask you this. Is there a bullpen arm out there, a free agent, that you salivate over that you're like, boy, I'd really like to get this guy on our team. Yeah. As far as like free agency, well, think about thinking about the bullpen and constructing that. I feel like unless you're really, you know, eyeing up one particular guy, like you mentioned, um, particularly at the back end of the rotation, um, unless you're looking at something like that, um, I feel like you fill out a lot of guys with, you know, your pre-arb guys or um, something that's going to be a little bit cheaper so you don't spend a bunch of money on it. Um, but, you know, just to at least put a couple names out there um, that I could see would be um, Ronaldo Lopez is a free agent, which they were looking at roughly like a two-year deal at like $20 million, so $10 million a year. That would be a decent chunk of change to, to put down, but he was very, very good out of the bullpen this past year. Um, something like that. But I don't know if that's worthwhile doing for a guy who's not going to be like elite back end of your rotation. Where, where um, does he come from? Twins? He was with the, the White Sox. Um, and then he went with, I don't know if it was in the same deal, but at the same time the went with Giolito over to the Angels. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, they were looking at three years, thirty million, but still ten million a year. Um, I mean, he's a hard, hard thrower. Uh, average ninety-eight miles an hour on his uh, fastball, uh, fastball slider guy. So he could be really good as like a setup guy in the back of the pen, which could be really nice if you have you know him and Helsley. JoJo Romero was good for us as well. Um, that could look nice. Another guy that. Uh, I like a lot after reading a little bit about him. Uh, didn't really know much, but um, dipping back into uh, the Japanese market, Yuki Matsui, who we've been linked with uh, over in Japan, he is, I believe, just a straight-up free agent, no posting fee or anything like that with him. So you don't have that extra, I guess, tax, like you would say. Um, so... He, from what I've seen, I want to say he has just like a crazy splitter or something like that, which I feel like a lot of 
of the Asian pitchers really like to to do. Um, but he's looking at like a roughly two-year, $16 million deal, so $8 million a year um, would be really good. He had 39 saves this past season, a 1.57 ERA in the NPB. So I think he could be a good back end of the bullpen guy um, and then kind of supplement with some other guys, uh, which what some of what I've seen is in like the trade discussions um, with maybe some of what we'd get back if we're looking at getting a pitcher, we might, you know, package it with a bullpen arm that we really like to kind of fill out that middle relief um, in our bullpen. trying to look for salaries i haven't gotten there yet but i will yeah i mean helsley you know he keeps i mean i think he continues to deserve chances to pitch for us uh i i would what do you think what would kind of grade would you give him for the 2023 season a c plus b minus type thing maybe I give I give him in the B's. I I thought he was good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I struggle to grade a lot of our guys on this year, just because the second half of the year it's like it's so hard to get your get your butt out of bed and go to the ballpark and really turn it on for a game. I know that like you're playing for a lot of money and all that, but you can't tell me that a guy that was playing for a crap team like we had this past year is coming to the ballpark with the same attitude in the same energy as a guy playing for the Braves who's just absolutely flying high so it's hard to judge a lot of guys but I thought he had uh I thought he had a good year this year otherwise I'd say probably B is, is a good estimate yeah. looks like uh they got Jojo estimated at um a million dollars for next season nothing to nothing to get excited okay. about Helsley's at Three Hudson's at four. Um, obviously, those two are, um, you know, well, Hudson, I don't know where he fits in the long term plans. Helsley's on his second RB year. Uh, Kisner's on his second. Remember, we were talking earlier about backup yep. catcher, so he probably maintains that job. Um, yeah, uh, John King's on his first. So is, uh, yeah, I already said JoJo, Jake Woodford. Um, but anyway, yeah. So the, uh, and then the guys in pre-arb, like you said, that's a that's a pretty big piece of our staff, I, of our, uh, um, of our, uh, uh, bullpen roster right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, so it's not a money issue. And you're right. If you go out and sign a named reliever, uh, typically that's going to cost you money that you know you wouldn't necessarily have to spend. I think part of what you have to do with um, with pitchers is just got to have a lot of them. 
right? And whether it's, you know, in the on the roster, you know, the, the eight or nine guys you got on your roster, um, or the uh, you know, like Gallegos, for example, is gonna make five and a half million dollars this year. Would he be of interest? Like, would we be willing to move him in a deal? And I think, the, uh, for me, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, yeah. Because while he's a solid pitcher, I can maybe spend, you know, 20% of that and get a, a pitcher that's just as good or, you know, close. Um, assuming somebody else steps up and, and gets the job done, right? Uh, but, yeah, so there's not really a reliever that I have in mind. I have, be honest with you, I haven't studied the free agents very closely um, from a reliever position. I do think we need to identify you know, at least one other guy that you feel really good about at the end of the game. I mean, JoJo kind of by default became that guy in September. Um, But, you know, I mean, I think our preference, kind of our named guy is Helsley. Uh, I don't know if he gets any more money than he got last year based on his uh, uh, performance probably not a lot. Um, so, you know, I mean, I certainly, you know, I, I don't see any reason you wouldn't bring them back. Uh, you know, but when you talk about guys like nail and Naughton and, you know, you're trying all those guys out, right. You know, obviously the, the stars are, um, you know, they're, they're nailed on, but I mean, if you look at it, we're only paying, uh, like, for example, Contreras. We're only paying him $17.5 million a year. You know, we're paying uh, uh, Goldie 26 and we're paying Nado 25.5. This is all for next year. So those three play- Oh, I've got 35 down for him, for Nado. Oh, I'm sorry. But anyways, I'm sorry. Way. That's his. That's his uh, luxury tax hit. It's eighteen thirty-five and twenty-six. You're right. My bad. Um. So yeah. So that's what thirty-five and eighteen is fifty-three. So you're at seventy-nine with those three guys, and then Miklas is uh, seventeen and you know six six six. So. You know, now you're at what I say, 79. So now you're at like 96 for those four players. Can easily mm-hmm. add two starters at 25 to 30, and a third either starter, high level reliever. If you know, I don't know. Would you want to pay Josh Hader? You know, 15 plus million dollars to be on your team. I don't know. Um, but maybe not. I mean, maybe the answer is not on that. And I, I don't have a problem with it. If we think about the bullpens we just saw, I don't know what Leclerc makes, but it can't be a lot. Uh, obviously, 
you know, Chapman's been around a long time, so his salary's probably decent for what he does. Um, but he wasn't even, you know, a spores, um, you know, a uh, 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 Ginkle, a Thompson. You know, I don't know what those guys make, but they all hit, you know. And, of course, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Recency bias, small sample size, all that kind of stuff. I get it. Um, but I think we, I don't want to say, you know, because we didn't have a good, I don't think our bullpen was statistically that good this year. But it wasn't, it's not a complete shambles, I guess, is the, is the lesson I'm taking away from this part of the conversation. Now, I want to get into it just a little bit more, understand a little bit better about who was effective and who wasn't. Uh, all, you know, most of the guys had had some success during the year. Um, you know, I mean, the guys that were just flat out awful for the most part, they get rid of those guys. And I mean, that's not that difficult to do. But... And I mm-hmm. think there's probably enough arms available out there in the world that, you know, you could probably sign a few guys. Uh, I don't think that's a problem. I don't know what uh, – I think we have a couple of guys in the – you know, that were uh, in um, uh, Memphis last year that could help us. So um, any other thoughts on the bullpen or the approach to – kind of filling it out or building it. Um, It sounds like you're not worried or not in a real, uh, uh, you know, feel any real urgency to try to go get like a closer, you know, a a stud, one of the stud closers. No, not, I think just because there's nobody that pops out at me that I think is worthwhile going out and spending a bunch of money um, versus trying to fill that with guys that are already on your club and calling up guys, um, and you could use that money elsewhere. So what else? What else you want to discuss relative to tonight's conversation? Any final thoughts? Uh, We're going to start here and... You know, it was interesting, the transactions that we've already made. You and I were talking about those earlier. Um, none of them really to move the, the ball uh, that much. Uh, we claimed this second baseman, Jared Young, off of waivers from the Cubs. I don't know anything about him. Um, I don't know, did he play last year? Uh, yeah, he got 43 ABs in the regular season last year. Yeah. In the show. Batted uh, 186, two homers. Two out of his eight hits were homers, so his home run rate's pretty good. But, uh, yeah, nothing to, nothing to write home about. 28-year-old, it's only had 62 career at-bats, probably – not, not really sure why the Cardinals felt like it was important to uh, to pick him up off waivers. He's uh, he hails from uh, Prince George, British Columbia, so maybe we maybe we need to get our Canadian uh, you know numbers up a little bit. 
not sure what we were thinking there. Uh, yeah. I don't know. See, with some of those like that and then the guy that we picked up from Oakland, Buddy Kennedy, like those kind of things, it's like those guys aren't moving the needle in any particular way. But I don't know if at that time, that was before we had a lot of these transactions of guys coming off the DL, the 60-day right. and that kind of thing. Um, it makes me wonder if those are just kind of like volume plays to then potentially use in trades or something like that because at the end of the day you can just release them um, and just drop them off your roster if you can't use them but it's better to have now just in case you can Uh, I don't know if that's the thinking I don't have the GM experience in the front office or been in that kind of situation to kind of understand that but that's kind of what I uh, that's the only thing that I can kind of come up with. That well, that's sense. something I want to do between now and spring training. I want to find out why a guy like Jared Young gets picked up off waivers. There's a reason. You and I don't know it, but there's a reason. And whatever it is, it's, uh, you know, I mean, the simple man that I am, I would say, well, the guy had two homers and eight out of his eight hits you know two homers and 43 at bats so if he's going to homer at a you know once every 20 abs or so clip that would be a very serviceable you know major leaguer especially at a position like second maybe he's a maybe he is a plus oh no he's a first baseman what am i doing i'm looking at the wrong thing he's a first baseman for god's sakes i have no idea what's going on with this but I want to. I want to understand that. You're right. It could have been a placeholder. Maybe somebody else they knew in the past was sniffing around this guy, and you know, to have him in your pocket. I. I mean, again, cannot imagine what, if any, interest anybody would have in this guy. But you know, I mean, even to have 62 career at bats, I guess, is kind of a big deal, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe it's just one of those that, um, you know, he's got some uh, glimmers of potential that are shining through, and it's like, oh, let's take a chance, and maybe he comes to spring training, we see what we have, and then we can release him if we don't see anything, but then we have him to at least give it a try and and see if we can work with him this offseason or, you know, do some training things with him and see if uh, we get any kind of results out of it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they see something in there. I wonder if Baker's going to be the, going to be the bat, you know, kind of the, can he, I think he can only play first. I don't, obviously he can DH. First and DH. That, that was it. And that was the big, uh, big thing yeah. this past year. Why he didn't get a lot of playing time was like, well, then you're going to have to sit Goldie yep. basically. Or else have him DH, and then you're going to have to sit somebody else. Yeah, I I mean, so, because I'm thinking, you know, would they pick a guy like Young up and say, okay, now we got our first base position covered for the season, you know, a solid first baseman for AAA? I don't know. Anyway, that's, uh, we got a little off there with Jared Young. But uh, any any final thoughts on uh, tonight's episode? I don't know. I think we covered a lot of good stuff there. 
Uh, maybe just some some of the feelings that the fans may be having about um, how the this offseason is being approached and everything and what we hope and wish could happen, even if it means you know increasing the payroll just a little bit and being a little bit more aggressive with that. And um, Not that I think anyone in the front office is going to listen to this and change their mind on um, their approach or anything like that, but still... Um, I think we covered a lot of good stuff there. Maybe next time we'll get into more of the trade side of things and what we might be able to see uh, there to help improve the teams too. And maybe by the time we come around and uh, record that, uh, there will be a little bit more information that we can draw from too. Uh, did you have other stuff too you want to uh, touch on as well? I started talking on mute. Uh, yeah, there, there's <laughs> going to be a few other – there's going to be a few guys that are going to come off the – um, you know, kind of off the rolls, so to speak, of free agency, uh, probably in the next 10 days. You know, there's always those guys that hit right away. Um, and I have a feeling when it comes to especially the rotation, the Cardinals are going to hope to get the first shoe to drop rather quickly. Because uh, that gives them a little more, you know, the ability to kind of fall a little more into their default, more patient mode. I mean, obviously, all those things are, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many things that it's dependent on that we don't know about. Um, I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to, you and I will panic in, you know, on January 15th if we haven't added a starter yet, for example. Then it'll be, then oh it'll be panic. But until then, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. People go on vacation, holidays are coming up, you know, players are still healing from injuries from last season. So there's lots of stuff happening in that regard. Um, but, yeah, this was a great episode. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, we, we talked about, obviously, our biggest need, not even, not even debatable in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I feel a little better about what we have in the bullpen, kind of looking at it all on paper in front of me. I feel like we need to find, identify one guy that we feel great about at the end of the game, uh, whether that be an eighth or ninth inning guy. Um, You know, Gallegos, I just don't know. He's his his volatility sometimes can be a little difficult, um, but you know we uh, we'll, we'll we'll when that's our biggest problem, then uh, then we'll be in good shape. Who's that? Who's who's on the who's joining us on the pod? Uh, Lou got up. He's got to go potty. Okay. All right, well, let's shut her down then because you got parent duties and I got to go to bed before too long. I'm trying to trying to recover from some stuff, so. Yeah, you get your uh, rest. Yeah, great episode, and uh, uh, that, I think, will be it for us, obviously, everybody, Broadway and Clark. Uh, follow, rate, comment on any of your favorite podcast apps. And uh, we look forward to joining you again, uh, maybe as soon as toward the end of this week. And if anything was to happen of major significance, I'm sure Duncan and I would uh, find the opportunity to at least comment about it. Emergency panel. 
emergency pot. Haven't haven't really had any of those yet, but that's what happens when you follow a 90 loss team. Uh, all right, sir. I appreciate your time again tonight, and uh, we will talk very soon. All right, sounds good. Have a good one.